Blog Talk Radio. Oh! 
All right, let me try this over again here. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the uh, Battle Road Radio Show. Uh, and you didn't hear me, but I was just talking about uh, technical difficulties. Uh, anyway, we'd like to thank you guys for listening tonight, uh, listening here live to the show, and, uh, and for those folks that are going to listen to the show later on in the archives. And uh, the show will be kept up... Uh, uh, the show will be kept in the archives at the address that it's on now, and uh, and you can find it there from from now until the end of Blog Talk. Uh, all right, we've got uh, tonight's show. We're going to be talking about uh, thankfulness. This is the show that we originally had intended to do last week on Thanksgiving Day, but uh, because of some uh, difficulties that we had on Thanksgiving. Some technical difficulties and otherwise, uh, we weren't able to do the show, but we'll be doing it tonight. <clears throat> we had a, uh, here we had a interruption of uh, services, of satellite services. And then Sam, I believe that he was stuck behind a, a pileup somewhere out uh, near Cloudcroft, New Mexico. But, uh, but we're here tonight, and what we'd like to do is, uh, is say uh, talk a little bit about the things that we have been thankful for over the year, and then listen to the things that uh, you have been thankful for. And welcome to call into the show. Our number is three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. We'll be glad to take your calls. Just call in, and we'll get uh, uh, Sam will. Uh, We'll talk to you uh, offline and get you set up. <clears throat> All right. Uh, over the last over the over the last couple of hundred years here, uh, this is traditionally the time of year when when folks would uh, would be bringing in their harvest. They'd be finishing up bringing in their harvest. They would be. Uh, Processing uh, animals, food for the uh, for the winter, and uh, the days would be getting shorter, and there would be a little bit less work uh, to do once the harvest was brought in, and people would uh, would get together and they would celebrate the the events uh, the previous year, things like uh, the births that had occurred and deaths and uh, different events that had gone on during the during the year well, with them and their families and loved ones. And they would gather and uh, eventually they would uh, give thanks that they uh, had been there for another year. And that's kind of what we're doing tonight. Uh, we're giving thanks that we're still here. We've been doing this show now for, let's see, I guess about, uh, well, it's been over five years now. I have to look back at the uh, at the that first show page to see, and I think some of those original first shows. I don't think that they were actual. Uh, I don't think they were actual shows. I think that they were. Uh, uh, they were like uh, opinion pieces. I think that I wrote because before uh, before I was doing the show live, Blog Talk had Blog Talk had a place uh, where you could. Uh, 
it was like a blog, and uh, and you could have uh, you could you you would just post uh, the different pieces and stuff that uh, that you would write. And let's see, I'm looking at the page now. December third, two thousand and eight. So uh, we're looking right at six years here. And uh, that's the very first show, and it had 2,000 uh, listens, 2,000 downloads, and uh, and we've had uh, we've had quite a few downloads over the year, over the over the last few years, over the last six years, uh, with uh, with from a couple of thousand uh, for an episode to. Uh, uh, and I, I don't know what, if there was some kind of a glitch with their recording, but there are two episodes uh, in 2012 that each have uh, 35,000 downloads for them, and uh, and then of course there there are other episodes that. Uh, uh, that have somehow managed to grab uh, big chunks. We got about uh, about five thousand uh, downloads for the Smoky Breaks uh, episode. Uh, five thousand for uh, 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 Doctor uh, Warner from uh, the Texas Foraging. Uh, we've got uh, uh, we've got quite a few shows that have. Uh, Four or five and six thousand downloads of, uh, of that particular episode, and uh, we, uh, for a uh, for a collective for the for the last uh, almost six years, uh, are running up on a million downloads. So we're I'm certainly thankful for that, and I'm hoping that the the show uh, has been has been helpful. Uh, to the listeners that it's provided uh, uh, information that uh, has been helpful to our listeners. Uh, Sam, uh, I know you're here because I see right here on the uh, on the uh, the studio page it says I'd be here. Uh, I'd be here. Give us a little <laughs> bit. Of, give us a little bit about uh, what you're thankful for for the year. Well, there's so many darn things, but I think uh, the first thing is that I'm thankful that the family I have left is in good health and and able to look out for each other. Um, Like a lot of us, my family's starting to get a little old. I'm starting to get a little old, and uh, it's good to be in good enough health that we can take care of each other when we need to. And I'm just insanely thankful for that because we've had a few trials and tribulations where we needed to help each other out and and we've been able to do it and and having a family that's in good health and and willing to look out for each other and actually getting out there and looking out for each other is just right up on top of my list well that's and that is traditionally what has been uh, the first year for Thanksgiving, because normally whenever 
whenever it comes to be that time of year, you're celebrating with your family and usually with your extended family. And that uh, that has always been who is the folks uh, who have most mattered, and that is going to be your family. And I try to tell my my daughters that whenever they're banging on each other is that, uh, look, be gentle. Be gentle with your sisters because in the future, uh, when when nobody else uh, cares or uh, whenever you need somebody, uh, that's who's going to care. That's who's going to really matter is your family. And I'm thankful for the family that I have. I'm thankful for uh, my father, uh, for my brothers, my sisters, my uh, my wife, my children. I'm very thankful for my family. And of course, we've we we lose folks every year uh, from our actual families and from our extended families. This has been a, a particularly rough year for for our family. We suffered quite a few quite a few losses this year. <clears throat> It's certainly been uh, rough as far as uh, as my my neighborhood family here. We've suffered uh, a great number of folks who have uh, who have left the earth this year. That's what we every year. So well, that's why we give thanks because we're still here. Uh, and uh, if you'd like to call in. You're welcome to call in, and the number is 347-308-8790. And uh, we'll be glad to get you on the air. Uh, there's a lot of things that, uh, that have happened <clears throat> during the year this year that uh, – that have been great for uh, for us as individuals and for us as a nation. Uh, and I know that a lot of people are really happy about uh, about the recent elections. Although I find it very hard to get behind uh, get behind that excitement, that particular excitement, because I don't see uh, a lot. Of, the only thing I see changing. Is the letters uh, in front of people's names? I don't see any real change going on uh, in the government. I'm sorry, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm doing a show tonight right in the middle of a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of family members. <laughs> I got uh, I got the whole family home tonight. And, uh, and I got some other folks here that are visiting. Uh, you guys might remember uh, uh, JB. Uh, I know you remember JB, Sam. Birdman. Yipper. And then we got uh, Callan, who's with us here as well. We're getting ready to uh, to have a course this weekend. Uh, it is the three percenters grid down communications course, and that will be this weekend here at Battle Road. Uh, it's a course designed to teach folks the uh, the skills 
techniques they need as well as introduce them to uh, equipment that can be used to maintain, uh, to initiate uh, communications and maintain communications in a grid-down type situation. So they're here a bit early for uh, for the class this weekend. And uh, and we've got a good number of folks. I think we've got about uh, 17, 18 people coming to the class so far, but we still have some slots. If you'd like to attend the class, then uh, you guys can... Uh, can go to uh, com, and uh, at the top of the page you'll see uh, a uh, uh, a tab that says training. Click on that, and then it'll bring you a drop-down menu, and then click on the Three Percenters Grid Down course, and uh, that'll give you the information about the course, and it'll uh, allow you to sign up for it as well. This is a course that... Uh, I don't think you're going to want to miss because uh, it's really the only course of its kind that I've looked all over for this. You don't have to be a uh, uh, a ham radio uh, a ham radio professional or anything like that. You don't. Uh, you really don't need anything. Uh, this is going to show you, uh, kind of introduce you to the skills and techniques that are required. And it will also allow you to take a look at a bunch of uh, uh, a bunch of the different equipment that uh, people are using uh, in order to uh, initiate and maintain communications with the outside world. Because during a, uh, during a grid-down situation, and this could be anything from a, uh, from a local event like a tornado, uh, to a national event like a, a large hurricane or or to an actual uh, nationwide grid down type event in order for you to uh, in order for you to have the best possible chance of uh, getting through this you're going to need to know what's going on what's going on around you what's going on across the nation and you're not going to be able to to do that through your normal means and uh, that's television, radio, stuff like that, especially if you don't have any power. You're going to need some other way uh, to know what's going on out there. And that's what we'll be talking about over the, the course of the weekend. It's a two-day course, one day of uh, classroom, and then a one-day field training exercise where you're going to actually go out and initiate uh, uh, radio communications and contacts. <clears throat> because without... Uh, Without knowing what's going on around you, you're you're basically in a in a kind of a blind situation. You don't you don't want uh, whatever's coming around the corner to come around the corner at 100 miles an hour and smack into you without uh, you not having any idea that it's coming. So, and we'll be talking about the ways to do this and uh, about the ways that you can use your communications system as a basis for your intelligence uh, gathering program because uh, you'll need to you'll need to establish some type of program where you can gather intelligence and you can uh, you can figure out what's going on around you and you can do this by listening to communications you can listen to uh, the different calls from the uh, from fire departments, from emergency uh, medical services, from the 
state and local law enforcement, any type of uh, any type of radio traffic. I mean, that's what everyone else is going to have to use to in a grid down situation. <clears throat> Anybody that's using uh, communications gear, uh, then you'll be able to hear them. Now, probably not everybody, because there is a great deal of commo gear that uh, just like the military uses and stuff like that that will be encrypted and you won't be able to hear it. But uh, the military, very seldom ever works alone. Uh, you may be, you may put your ears on and listen, listen out into the uh, into the radio sphere, and uh, you may not be able to hear that particular black hole uh, that uh, radio communications from the military create, but you'll be able to hear all of the rest of the. Uh, communications from the folks that are assisting the military. So you won't be able to see the black hole, but you'll be able to see kind of where it is. And uh, we'll be talking about how to do that, uh, how to implement an intelligence gathering program using your uh, communications. <clears throat> so if you would, uh, if you'd like to attend the class, like I said, go to www.battleroadusa.com. Look for the tab on top that says training. Click on it and then click on the grid down course. I'll take you to the page with the information and with the uh, sign up. Okay, uh, we got uh, we got a couple of folks here on uh, that are in the calling queue that. Uh, that Sam's already spoke to that says they're just listening, but uh, because they're because they're here, I'm going to go ahead and talk to them. Mark from Wyoming, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about your year, about what you're thankful for. Uh, thankful I got a job. Thankful I'm working. Thankful I'm half healthy. Yeah, that's about all. Well, be, well, that's good. Be thankful my dog wouldn't be barking. Well, you know, a, a dog that doesn't bark isn't really uh, a dog. It's you know, it's something else. I mean, well, well, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that you have those things. Yeah. Hey, are, are you guys? You guys ain't affiliated with Appleseed no more, are you, Scout? What's that? Uh, are you, you guys aren't affiliated with Appleseed anymore, are you? No, 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 not really. I mean, we, uh, uh, I, I, I really haven't talked about this much uh, uh, on the I air or anything, but, uh, but we haven't... Uh, we were asked by Appleseed uh, to not to hold any more events at our location because uh, uh, they said that uh, them seeing them seeing pictures of us in uh, in camouflage clothing and stuff like that uh, was not uh, something that that Appleseed could afford. Uh, I don't understand that because uh, the uh, all of the classes that run through at Battle Road are all uh, either taught by uh, active duty uh, military 
by active uh, law enforcement. Uh, we've got uh, uh, we have uh, currently serving uh, special forces and and many others that uh, that teach the classes. And for us to there's nothing absolutely nothing that we do that is underhanded or anything like that. Uh, if we did, the, the folks teaching the classes could lose their security clearances, uh, lose their jobs, go to jail. So <clears throat> there is nothing that we do. And um, all our courses uh, that we teach are all open. They're open to the public, most of them, but uh, but they're also attended by uh, law enforcement, uh, active duty, military, reserve guard. Uh, so so there's nothing that we're doing that is underhanded. There's nothing that we're doing that is uh, incompatible with Appleseed, but apparently Appleseed thought that there was, and uh, so they closed down the the Davila location. And the Davila location was the, the longest-running DAR, the dedicated Appleseed range in uh, the United States. It was the least expensive because it didn't cost them a dime. And... Uh, and was really the basic, uh, was the hub for Texas for uh, teaching the instructors and for uh, for the folks. It's located centrally in the state of Texas. Uh, the thousands of folks that we've taught, and uh, I, I really, I'm still at a loss uh, to understand why they did that. I will say this: so it wasn't the first time that uh, that Jack Daly has done that because he's done it. Uh, he did it to several other states. Uh, he did it to New Mexico. He did it in Missouri. He did it, uh, I think, all together in about five or six states where he would go in and he would uh, tear out the the state's infrastructure but not replace it with anything. And uh, the fir- one of the first states he did that to, I think it's been six or seven years, they still haven't recovered from it. So I don't uh, I don't understand the uh, the logic in it, but, but maybe somebody does. But but it's not me. I don't understand it. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, uh, it's uh, and I've had several people ask for that. Matter of fact, just a little while ago, one of the guys in the chat room was saying that uh, he was sad that uh, I'd left Appleseed. And I said, well, I, I didn't really leave Appleseed. Uh, they just uh, kind of uh, squeezed us out. They squeezed the range out. They squeezed uh, me out. And even though. Uh, even though I talked to several dozen instructors who contacted me and saying, hey, what do we do? And I told them, I said, look, don't stay with the program. And the program isn't uh, about Jack Daly. It's about helping Americans. It's about helping your, your fellow citizens. <clears throat> but even though I said that, you know, there's probably a, a good, uh, there's probably a dozen instructors that called uh, the villa their home and if Davila is gone, that means they're gone. So he, he wiped out a he wiped out a huge chunk of Texas when he did this. And like I said, I, I can understand that if you've got a good reason for doing something like that, then by all means, I think you should do it. Uh, you know, even if you do lose instructors or something like that. But but I've yet to understand. I've yet to hear any good explanation for this. So uh, Talon said he had an explanation, but I think he's I think he's withholding it even from me. Uh, so is that does that kind of uh, answer your questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I remember, oh, it's been about a year ago. I was coming back home from Kansas, and 
dialed up the phone on Thursday night. I listen to you guys all the time, and and uh, yeah, Sam said you guys was kind of done with them people or vice versa. I just I was just curious, you know. Yeah. Well, it uh, it it wasn't. I, I see Ed here put it in the uh, in the chat room. He was talking about that it's the about the camouflage clothing being overly sensitive for folks. I don't think he. I don't believe he was really talking about the camouflage clothing uh, per se. Although, uh, you know, although Appleseed did go through, uh, uh, they did go up through a, a changeover where they said nobody can wear camouflage. Nobody can wear camouflage because we don't want to. We don't want to upset anybody. Uh, so, so nobody wears camouflage. But it, I, I think it was just the, or, or at least the way he was explaining it to me, was that uh, that somebody would see the photographs of us, and uh, and the only reason we we're wearing camouflage is because we were, I believe those photographs were from a, a combat tracking course that uh, that we were teaching, and it was it was simply so that we could remain uh, less visible. During the course, when uh, we had folks that were tracking us and trying to spot us uh, visually and stuff like that, <laughs> regardless, I mean, it, it, I think that he was saying that uh, that he thought that the that people would see this and they would think that we were somehow uh, I don't know that we were somehow in some kind of paramilitary uh, group or something like that. Playing, I said we were far from that, and then and I can't say that he could even use that really because. One of the other instructors that uh, that sits on the board there, the guy that's supposed to be uh, the like the head uh, instructor, uh, he checked out uh, Battle Road's credentials and uh, and everything else, and he sent a note to Fred. And I have a copy, I've got a copy of the letter that says, uh, "Hey, hey, boss, I checked out uh, Battle Road, and they completely check out squeaky clean." and uh, and so that didn't even stop him. So I don't, I don't know what uh, the real issue is. I mean, I do, but I'm not going to talk about it tonight. Uh, but uh, I will tell you guys about it in a future show. But that's kind of why, uh, that's kind of why it happened. Then I guess. Okay. So, but like I said, it's happened. It hasn't just happened here. It's happened in several states uh, that. Uh, that have been uh, basically gutted, and they've never recovered from it. So, but that's not what we're supposed to be talking about. We're supposed to be talking about the uh, things we're thankful for. Well, I'm thankful for you guys entertain me every Thursday night. How's that? So, well, thank you, Mark. We appreciate that. All right, listen. You have a happy, uh, a happy rest of the uh, after Thanksgiving Thursday night, and. Uh, and keep listening. I appreciate. I appreciate seeing you there. Listen uh, every week, Mark. Yeah, thank you for your time, Scott. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. Okay, brother. God bless you. All right, and now Chris. How have you been, Chris? Welcome to the show. And uh, and what are you thankful for this uh, this week after Thanksgiving? Are you oh, listening? All kinds of things. Yeah. There's all kinds of things to be thankful for, Scout, but just listening to you talk and watching all these people. Like you said, we've been at this for a long time. I can remember 10 years ago 
walking onto a range. And yeah, Davila was a place to be, but I was just thankful to meet all those fine people and actually have a part of being able to touch a few of them. There's a few people that will always remember me as far as what we've done both with that program and with our other skills. Because, you know, back when I was going through, you knew that I was out of school doing some of the same things you guys are doing right now. So it's kind of a joy to sit back and watch you guys do what you do now. Keep talking, Chris. Uh, Scott just got cut off. Uh, Okay, there you go. (laughs) But either way, either way, I mean, the program, what the country has done, I mean, we all talked about how many people we were going to try and and contact and and be a part of and and invite to our, you know, get-togethers and and learn some things about one another and about what we should be doing as, you know, citizens of the United States. You know, we can sit back and look at the TV all day long and see what's going on. You know, power of the vote, like we've always said. Still a great country, guys. You know, we got a lot to be thankful for. You know, God bless us with this place, and we should be, you know, caretakers of the land. I'm a farmer too, so it's kind of cool to sit back and watch. You know, like like all this evolve, and maybe you know, 10, 20 years down the road, somebody with the same mindset that we all kind of carry along with one another, both military and the civilian world. Maybe somebody will actually get in office and listen to the people and, you know, turn this thing around. Because, you know, they said the last big generation that really meant something to this country was veterans of World War II. And, you know, you can walk into the VA today or any of those hospitals and you'll see a few veterans. And, you know, you should always go up and shake their hand because, you know, we could be speaking another language. That's a fact. Chris. That's about what I got to be thankful for. I mean, there are some wonderful people on the other end of this line, and they're scattered throughout the country, and believe it or not, around the world. Because I've met people both doing what Scout does, and Mark, and all the guys that have been there for many, many years, and what we did with the program. It started in other countries. There's people that will say, Chris, will you send me some of the targets? And I'm like, I'll give you the website. You can just download it and shoot the target. And they're like, and they know what you know. They know where we're all at. It's kind of cool when you pick up a magazine anymore, and you can see faces of guys that you know at one time didn't even understand what MOA was, and now they're owning gun stores and doing great things. And you're like, I know that guy. I, you know, sign this book for me. But yeah, I know that guy personally, and it's kind of cool. You know, just like with Top Shots. A lot of people that's been around for a while remember Top Shots. I had the opportunity to meet three of those guys, got to shoot with two of them, and I was never that good, but I could shoot. But we all learned something with one another. This program and what we're doing now, I hope to see it continue to go on because there's nothing wrong with it. It's just another tool, you know, like what? look at the old history. That farmer bought all those guns and those doctors and those lawyers. They bought all the powder and they bought all the food. And they said, just come hang out. We'll teach you something. And look what those guys ended up doing for the country. But yeah, there's a lot to be hey, thankful for, guys. What was your farm name again, Chris? Oh, uh, remember you did my uh, revelies in the morning, sir? 
Yeah, that's right. I couldn't. I, for a minute, I couldn't remember your your forum name, but I was just telling. Well, you, that's what I used to tell him. You know, I was an eleven Bravo, did a lot of things, got to walk a lot of ground, and I used to be a young, you know, infantryman. That, you know, if time goes by and you fall down and hurt yourself, you just become an old grunt. So that just kind of stuck on it. <laughs> well, I don't think you just fell down, right? I think it kind of just blew the hell out of you. So. Well, you know, you know when they put that LBE on you and they give you a Kevlar and a compass and they say, you know what, that ground in front of you is yours, but you got to go take it. Well, guess what? You, you and about thirty-five other guys with the same frame of mind just go go ahead and get, take that ground. Yeah, yeah. And they say, okay, this this vehicle is going to protect you from uh, uh, from any kind of landmines or explosions. So don't don't worry about that five hundred pound bomb. <laughs> I don't mind riding around at Bradley, don't get me wrong. I've walked many a while, but I'll sure eat an MRE in the back of a Bradley with a little bit of heater going and that 25 millimeter on top and a tow missile. I feel pretty safe back there for a little while. Well, you know, I, I tell you, I, I, for a long time, I was uh, I was just like a uh, leg infantry. And, uh, yep. and for a couple of years, you know, and, and I always thought that, you know that that was almost like the most exposed, especially when we were uh, we were a little in places we couldn't get out of. Uh, you know, right. the bottom ravines and stuff like that. I always thought this is going to be it. This is going to suck. Cause they're going to catch us down here in the bottom of the ravine, and they're going to sort of chew us in the dog meat. And then I came back in the states, and uh, somehow they had shifted me over into a uh, uh, mech unit here at Fort Hood. And so yep. I was driving a, uh, a 113, and uh, and I thought, man, this is it. This is the life. No walking. I felt, like, completely uh, safe inside that thing. And then uh, one night, uh, we were over at uh, on the gunnery range, and uh, we weren't even on the gunnery range. As a matter of fact, we were pretty far from it. And we were, it was myself and the two of the guys were laying down outside the track, and uh, uh, we heard, like, some bumblebee noises, and then we heard something slap in the track. And uh, it turned out that the tank, the tanks were running their 50s, and they fired off of the range. Anyway, they just happened to miraculously hit us, and they hit our track with the 50s. Well, I went inside the track, and I looked at it, and it was it was horrible. I mean, it was messed up in there. Thank goodness we weren't trying to sleep in there. And uh, after that, I didn't feel very good about being in the track at all. Uh, yeah. In fact, I, yeah. Sure that I, that I was always out of the track if I could be, because I thought that was a pretty messed up uh, place to be. But that was a rather 113. It's just aluminum. You know, the Bradleys are a little bit more armored. Right. I was lucky, though, because I worked for the uh, the CG and the ADCM, and I would drive vehicles, and I got to go on a lot of those ranges, and that range you're talking about, they have now turned it into a long-range sniper reconnaissance range. So, you know, the distance of that range you're thinking about, think about all those targetry that they got out that way now. It goes all the way out there. It's a beautiful range. If you ever get a chance, you ought to, I don't know, if you're pretty close to it, you could drive right up to it and look at it. Yeah, me do that, because I'm, you know, I'm, I live... Uh... I think it was about 65 miles or so from, yeah, from the base. Yeah. Well, well, when I was down there in the village. When I was 
station there that I would stay here yeah. at the ranch. So, well, um, if you remember right, when we all broke away that night to go do our PR work, me and Stymie took the back gate into Hood, and I showed him all the ranges, and he was like, "You wow, this is neat." I said, "Yeah, this is really neat. We get to do a lot of cool stuff here." And you know, he was Navy, and he'd never been around a big Army base like that. And, and I was stationed there, so I knew the back gate in from North Hood, and I just floated right in the back gate. So he got to see all those big ranges. <laughs> well, it's got to be one of the, uh, I don't know the, uh, the the base sizes or anything like that, but it's got to be one of the, the largest uh, by size. I've been on a lot of them. I've been on a lot of them, and the only one really compared to me, and it was still in a cantonment kind of area, was a national training center in Florida or in California. I did a lot of reforger stuff, but that was in, you know, an actual cities and cities and roads and whatnot. But as far as training area, the only one I've ever been in big enough was almost, you know, nationally the National Training Center for in California. And I would spend, you know, two or three tours every uh, 18 months, at least two or three tours, I'd be out there driving around. You know, it was neat. I got to learn a lot of things. And that's what's neat about the program that you guys are doing because I remember years ago you were like, Chris, this is not Appleseed. We, I'm glad you know this, but it's not Appleseed. And I'm like, I know I need to tone it down a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and uh, and now uh, for about the road anyway, we're uh, yeah, we are kind of blessed because uh, uh, in one way is that we we can say the things that we would like to say, and uh, yeah. and uh, you know, and we do, and we talk about the things that we think were important. We're no longer really fettered by uh, any type of uh, 513C uh, rules and stuff like that, or any, uh, yeah. any other ideology. <clears throat> but uh, uh, and we're still running. Uh, we're still running the uh, rifle, uh, the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship courses. We just do it uh, uh, with a little slightly different bit uh, of twist. We're still teaching uh, a, a fundamentals course. I don't want to call it basic because. And you always used to get uh, chapped when folks would uh, would call Appleseed uh, basic rifle marksmanship. Because it's not a basic uh, rifle marksmanship. You know, it's a yeah. fundamentals. And the fundamentals are a lot different than the basics. You know, fundamentals are the things that you're going to have to use, whether you've been yeah. shooting for 50 years or five minutes. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I've made a lot so of good hunters with what we, uh, what we learned and everything. There's a lot of people that I, you know, they ended up being hunters, but they're, you know, they were like, that stuff really works, Chris. I was like, well, yeah, it's the fundamentals. And if you learn the fundamentals, it doesn't matter what weapon system you pick up, you're still going to be able to make it perform. Right. But, yeah, right. I'm still being thankful for a lot of things, though. Do what? So, again, so we still run. Fundamentals course at Battle Road. We'll run a fundamentals course uh, once a month here, and uh, and, and we we also do offer, uh, uh, like I said, a little bit different than uh, than Appleseed did because we uh, we still offer history because I think it's an important uh, I think it's an important thing that you should add in when you're talking about the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship and stuff is. Uh, is some of the history of you know of why it matters if you're uh, if you're able to make the and, shot yeah. or not. And and that's what uh, and that's and what's so neat about the way you've done that. 
that's so what's neat about the way you've done that. You've archived so many of those things that there's a lot of people that's been able to go back to those archives, listen to you talk about that area, and then actually go up and look at the ground, walk the streets, you know, and people have told me about it. So one day I'll get to do that. But they were just blown away by it. I said, yeah, Scout tells tells it really well, you know. Everything he says, you know, is, is pretty much coming out of a book. Well, we do, uh, besides the uh, – uh, for our fundamentals courses, we run a section of history for Texas, uh, specific to Texas. It's the Texas War for Independence, and we talk about that mm-hmm. at our. We also we also introduce topics of uh, for uh, prepping and self reliance. We don't teach that because we uh, we have just barely enough time to do the uh, fundamentals class. But we will introduce a topic: uh, water. Right. Uh, and why it's important for you to have water, clean drinking water, stuff like that, food, survival uh, type uh, topics. But we do those once a month still here at Battle Road, and we uh, run a lot of other courses. I was just telling the guys uh, uh, on the show earlier that uh, this weekend we're having the the Grid Down Communications course, and uh, JP and Talon are here early for that, and... uh, We've got a pretty good group of folks. We're being taught, the class is being taught by Sparks31. He's a commo guru, and he's going to be teaching folks how to use uh, how to use the equipment that they have in order to uh, initiate and maintain contact with the outside world during uh, grid-down situations. So uh, we have classes like that. We've got a class, uh, we'll have a class this coming year, another class that's, I think it's going to be a really great class. It's going to be a collaboration between myself uh, Caleb Colty from Lone Star Medics and John Hurt from uh, Cure Group. And it's going to be a three-day course, and it'll be an integrated course that uh, is going to teach patrolling techniques, including night movements, and uh, uh, there'll be rifle marksmanship, and there will be uh, uh, medical and first aid. Uh, so it'll be a, it's going to be a really great course, and that will be uh, that'll be in 2015. But that's just a few, few short months away. Yep, that's pretty neat. A lot to be thankful for, huh, Scout? Well, I'm thankful that uh, I'm thankful to have friends uh, such as yourself, Chris, and I'm thankful that uh, that you are out in the world uh, and you are uh, that you are sharing. <laughs> You're sharing your skills and uh, you're sharing the information that uh, that folks need to hear in order to help us make sure that we have a that we're continuing to safeguard the freedoms and liberties uh, that we enjoy by virtue of living in this country. And, well, uh, and we've got one young man right now still doing it in D.C. right now, as you know, an honor guard. You know, as one time with a, a young apple cedar, you know, so. It's kind of neat to see these kids and the people that we've come in contact with over the years grow to be adults now and the things that they've done and how we touch their lives. Right. All right, well, listen, I'll get out of your hair. And, uh, and like I said, thanks for calling. And uh, and we'll see you, uh, well, hopefully we'll see you soon, brother. Well, if you hear a blue Harley coming down the drive, just, you know, let me through the gate. <laughs> All right, will do. Thank you, brother. Bye. All right, Sam. You got? Uh, have you been thinking about this? Anything that uh, that you would like to add? 
Well, you know, when Chris got talking about those things we were thankful for, one of the things I'm immensely thankful for is that those founders left us a, a, a nation that as much as we may not be happy with the way things are going right now, we still have the liberty to try and make it better. A lot of good people in this country are out there working very hard, uh, trying to make the nation better, and we have that, that freedom to do that. We have a system that for all of the faults that we like to point out for ourselves occasionally, uh, still allows us to try to make it better. That's a mighty important thing. Well, you're absolutely right, because we do, uh, at least on paper, we have the ability to make things better. I mean, we, and we have, uh, and I think that we've, we have many times over the history uh, of the nation that we have actually uh, gotten together as a as a country, and the people have uh, have actually made some great changes. It just seems like it's uh, it's very very hard to motivate folks to actually to, to actually do something. And uh, I think I was talking about it with uh, Mike Vanderbilt uh, a couple of weeks ago from Sipsy Street, and. Uh, and now he had he had mentioned that he may uh he may show up to the course this weekend and cover it for Sipsy Street. So if he does that'll be great. You guys can read about it over on the Sipsy Street Irregulars page. But we were talking about that, about that uh you know the in seventeen seventy five, you know, they had a very concrete problem. And uh, they were able to uh, they were able to motivate folks to do something about it because it was a very a very concrete problem, uh, and and there were there were only a couple of solutions for it. You had uh, you had the British regulars uh, marching uh, on the cities there uh, locally along Battle Road, and there was only a few things you could do, and, uh, and that is you could either do nothing or you could run away. Or you could grab your gear and go uh, stand in ranks and defend. Uh, nowadays, we still have the same. The, we we we've got the same threat, but if there's there's very little that's concrete about it. It's uh, it's uh, it's happening in more abstract ways. Uh, we have attacks daily on our liberty, on our privacy, but because they. Uh, because they are happening now at a greater uh, frequency, it's almost that they become lost in the chatter and the background noise. And and if uh, you know, I always give the analogy of uh, of the kids, uh, the elementary school kids riding on their 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 buses headed to school, and they're going across the uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. And in the middle of the bridge, there's you know six or seven hundred uh, jihadists, and uh, and what's the answer to that problem? Well, we know what it is. We grab our gear, we head there, and uh, we do whatever it takes. Uh, but the problem now is just as serious, but it's coming from a different vein. Now, this problem we face today is more like 
like rust on the girders of the bridge. And will that bring that bridge down, that rust? Absolutely, guaranteed it will. It will bring it down just as sure as uh, as 600 jihadists with uh, with 500-pound bombs or a nuke. And those kids will plunge into the icy water. They'll be just as dead when that bridge collapses from rust. But how do you get folks excited about rust? You keep say, come on, let's go. Let's go, guys. Grab your uh, wire brushes and your scrapers. Let's go. And and some folks will say, yeah, you're right. You know, rust is really dangerous. I'm with you. Let's go. Let me go get the car. But only like one out of uh, 500 bills. The rest will say, yeah, you're right, that that rust, that's a problem, man. That's a that's a big problem. Uh, let's form some committees to uh, to talk about rust. Let's do some research on the internet and figure out what rust really is. We know it's ferrous uh, oxide, but it's got to be something more. There's got to be something else we can find out about it. And then uh, and then most of the people will say, yeah, it's rust, but you know, but rust, it's not that's it's not something we got to get excited about. We can get to it next week or the week after and. Uh, I got a wire brush, but I don't know where it is. It was in the back of the car. I knew it was back there last week, but I can't find it now. And, and on and on and on. And and the rust just continues, you know. Uh, like Neil Young said, rust never sleeps. Uh, it's going to keep going. And it will destroy the bridge. But how are you going to get people excited about it? Uh, if, the, if the government tomorrow said... Uh, we're we're loading up now because we're going to come. We're going to go to every house in the in every state, and we're going to uh, confiscate the people's firearms. Well, there's no way that that, that would happen because everybody and their brother would uh, be grabbing their stuff. They would be resisting. I say everybody would. The reality is everybody wouldn't resist. Uh, a good majority of folks would just say, "Okay, you're right. It's probably dangerous. Here's my firearm." But enough people would resist that uh, that it would stop them from doing it. But the government's not doing it that way. They're not saying we're going to come get all of them at one time tomorrow. They're saying we're going to. Uh, we just want, all we really want is for you to just. We want you just to fill out some information. That's all. Right? Who's going to get mad about that? Who's going to get mad about having to fill out a piece of paper, right? So just just do it, and it'll be okay. And uh, and they slice off a little bit of your rights and your freedoms every day. And you say, well, that's okay because I've got, it's like saying, uh, yeah, they're going to take uh, my little finger, but I've got the other fingers, and I haven't got my whole right hand. Uh, so I'm really not that, I'm not that uh, jazzed about it. But, uh, but by the end of two or three years, when they've cut off all of the fingers on the left hand, and now they're getting that very first one in your right hand, I think you may start uh, reappraising the situation and say, you know what, I, this might be a little bit more dangerous than I thought it was, uh, but what do you do at that point, right? Well, you better figure out something that you're going to do something before they get to the index finger on that right hand, right? You better figure out something. And I think that's the point that we're at. That we better figure out something. Uh, and we better figure out what we're going to do uh, in a very rapid fashion. And I'm thankful tonight that there are a lot of folks that are doing that. There's not nearly as many as I wish that there were, but there are a lot of folks that 
that are figuring this out because I think just uh, just six or seven years ago, when you went to a uh, if you went to the uh, to a gas station or to a Walmart and you're in the checkout line and you were buying uh, a stack of uh, ammunition. And the person would look at you and say, "My goodness, why are you? What are you doing? What do you need all that for?" And uh, and I can get, almost guarantee that it's not going to happen today. Uh, today, when you go, there's going to be people uh, in line in front of you, behind you. They may have some ammunition too, or they may look at that and may look at your stack of ammo and say, "Dang, I wish I would have. I wish I would have got some. I meant to get some today." And if you ask them why. Why did you need some? Uh, some are going to say because of the because of the ammo shortage, and some are going to say, "Are you ready for this?" Because I fear the government. When would you have heard anybody say that uh, six, seven, eight years ago? Nobody was saying that. If you would have said back then, "Well, I'm working on a self-reliance or prepping uh, project this weekend," people would they would involuntarily move uh, six or seven, eight uh, inches away from you, like uh, like you just told them, well, I'm going to be working on my uh, 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 my typhoid uh, fever this weekend. They, they actually would pull away from you. Nowadays, they don't. Nowadays, uh, nowadays other people are doing this. Why? Because, uh, because they have worries and because they fear their own government. So, uh, so I, I, I'm not thankful that we're in this position, but I am thankful that there are people who recognize this and uh, who are trying to do things uh, to change the situation. So, uh, for all the folks out there working, and we're talking about uh, millions of people uh, that are working, even right now as we speak. Folks in Texas that are working for uh, open carry, uh, you know, for constitutional carry, uh, people that are constantly working to defend Second Amendment rights, uh, people that are working to try and rehabilitate the government, uh, people that are working with the Tenth Amendment Foundation, uh, all of this I'm thankful for. I'm, think- I'm thankful for uh, for the folks in our government who are listening, I don't know how much they're doing, but at least they're listening. Uh, and there's not that many of them. It's very easy to be thankful for the, the few that are there. But I'm thankful that there are some of our representatives that are listening. Uh, you know, at a time in our history when we have uh, record lows for people's confidence in our government, people's confidence in, uh, this, in the House and the Senate, uh, I'm thankful that there are still a few people that are that are listening to us and that uh, are trying to do something. All right, uh, Scout. You know, it's easy for people to get very discouraged about about it all because they, they they look at the rust analogy and the long, slow drain. 
One thing that we need to remember in all of that, and and it's uh, brought up in, in a quote by one of my favorite authors. And he said, the last thing to come fluttering out of Pandora's box was hope, without which men die. And there are people who have hope, people who are still working in the face of all of that rust, still out there working hard. There are still people who believe in the dream. And if we keep hope alive, if we give them small tools and small abilities and motivate them and remind them that hope is still alive, we can fix it. We just have to remember that, that, that we have to keep up that hope because without hope, men die. Right. With all of the stuff that's going on, you know, uh, and that slow erosion of rust, uh, there are more people becoming active in some small part of government and its effect on the people every day. It may be such a a minor thing as as, uh, uh, what happened in Missouri with that Ferguson business. Uh, admittedly, a lot of people got involved in it in ways that maybe we may not agree with, but they're becoming active. They're they're paying some attention to it. We had the poor guy got himself killed in New York the other day over some untaxed cigarettes and died over it. But people are starting to pay attention to that, and that that darn internet thing that we all curse so much sometimes. Uh, is actually for a way for people to get out there and make some noise. And I think those legislators are starting slowly but surely to get the idea they need to pay attention to what those people are saying. So we need to keep that hope alive. Well, we... we uh, keep that hope alive. I'm going to... Uh, Ed put a, a quote in the chat room that I thought was very uh, relevant. It's a Emma Goldman quote says, "If voting changed anything, it'd make it illegal." <laughs> we're not worried about the voting since it doesn't. Uh, since they're not afraid of it, because it's not going to change anything. And uh, you know, I was talking about my daughter had asked me what I thought about uh, about the events in Ferguson. She's in college now. She asked me what I thought about the events in Ferguson, and I said, "Well, I don't know that." Uh, I don't know that what exactly uh, happened. Uh, there's only uh, one or two people that know exactly what happened, exactly why it happened. Uh, but I'll say this: is that the people that are uh, that are griping about uh, the people that are that are protesting. I don't want to say griping. The people that are protesting uh, are not. Protesting, I don't think the majority of them are not protesting about this one specific individual. I think that uh, I think that if this was just a completely isolated case, uh, I think that they it would just uh, it would just happen and move on. The sad fact is that it's not. 
and that is that uh, we are uh, Americans are exposed increasingly to uh, to violence from uh, the law enforcement community. I mean, you know, we were talking about this the other day on the radio show, and and we have had more people killed by police uh, in America during the uh, the last uh, the, during the years that we've been involved in Iraq and Afghanistan. We've had more people killed in America by police than we've had uh, soldiers or civilians killed by the uh, Afghanistan or Iraqis. More people killed by police in America than have been killed by enemy combatants. And that worries me. I mean, uh, people are they're increasingly uh, exposed to uh, by abuse uh, from law enforcement, and, and they're, they're getting sick of it. And because they are, uh, this is uh, this is like a rally point for it. And like I said, I don't know what happened. I don't know what led to uh, to the officer uh, shooting and killing the individual there in Ferguson. Uh, I do know uh, from the accounts of uh, the witnesses that uh, that it wasn't just a simple. Uh, pardon me, gentlemen, but you're in the roadway. You know, get out of the way. It was, uh, it was different than that, and uh, and I think that had uh, had the officer not uh, had the interaction with the individuals that he did uh, in the way that he was doing it, I think things may have changed. May have turned out differently. Uh, as far as him shooting uh, Brown and uh, and and killing him, I don't know if uh, I don't know if he uh, if he did the right thing or not. Uh, from all of the from all the information that I've read, it seems that the actual shooting was justified. But but why did it have to get to that point? Why did he have to start shooting? That's the thing that I have to worry or have to wonder about, and the uh, the readiness of the of law enforcement today to shoot first and ask questions later is something that worries me. You know, they've got uh, uh, multiple uh, situations of uh, of people being shot. You got the guy in Walmart that was shot. Uh, the guy in this park the other day that was shot. Now both these guys had had B guns, but I don't think in either case that uh, that they had to be shot. And I know that uh, that law enforcement busting into houses in the middle of the night, throwing in uh, the uh, stun grenades uh, and and then shooting people for uh, for possession of a plant that grows uh, out in the wild, I, uh, I just don't know. I don't know how good an idea that is. This whole war on everything, war on drugs, war on terror, war on poverty, uh, I'm thinking that maybe a little bit less war and, uh, and a little bit more thinking might be in order. Uh, it's just my, it's just 
my take on it. You know, we we, we have people that, that are getting involved in lethal incidents for very minor, transient kind of things. This guy in New York getting shot over uh, cigarettes without the tax paid on them. Well, we go shooting people because they don't pay a tax. That's kind of a negative motivator right there. Uh, Is the function of government so critical that we have to employ men with guns to enforce the payment of taxes on cigarettes? When we send men with guns out to enforce that stuff, we're saying it's worth somebody dying over. Right. If we weren't saying that, meter maids would be enforcing that law. Right. Oh, yeah. And somewhere oh, yeah. our values have gotten out of kilter here. Uh, I, I I agree completely. And, uh, and of course, one of my other daughters and I were talking about... Uh, we're talking about that very thing uh, a few weeks ago. We were talking about taxes. And she was saying, why are you complaining about the taxes? And I said, well, cause, uh, because there's taxes on everything and then taxes on the taxes. And then we started discussing it, and we started discussing the taxes. Because I said, you know, in this little while, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be working – uh, on a job, uh, and you're going to be getting uh, uh, you're going to be getting a paycheck, and and the state is going to be taking a huge chunk of your paycheck. And we started running it down, and uh, she was very uh, she was very amazed that if she worked uh, uh, for forty hours and uh, at ten dollars an hour, and made uh, uh, four hundred dollars. That she wasn't going to get four hundred dollars. <laughs> uh, you know, she uh, she was uh, very surprised. And I said, "Look, and it's not just uh, that you're not going to get you're not going to get the money. It's if you don't pay them the money that they say they owe you, they're going to come and take it from you." At the point of a gun, uh, and you may die for it. I said it's not just uh, it's not something you can opt out of, or that uh, uh, that uh, that is uh, a passive thing. I said this is a this is a very uh, a very violent thing. Am I still? Are we still there? Uh, yeah, I'm still here, and we're still on the air. Okay. Well, you never know with 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 this. <laughs> well, I know Blog Talk does that, and I wasn't giving you much response on it. Uh, and getting listening. How do we tell our children that that that, that the government thinks that ten dollars tax is worth killing a man over ultimately? Right. And I got in discussion with a a law enforcement guy about it today, and and, 
he says, well, 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 that 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 cop didn't know if the fellow was armed or not. You know, it's all for his safety. And I said, what about the safety of the citizen? Is there some well, rule out there that says that that our police officers must only face unarmed opponents? And what if the guy did have a gun? If he wasn't threatening anybody with it, what are the grounds for shooting him? Uh, and well, I know that they putting say, irons on somebody can't. and tackling them because they might have a gun. That's pretty damn defective thinking. Right. Well, they, I know that they keep saying, well, you know, the officer had the right to go home safely. Well, they, they do, but not, but not at the expense of of killing somebody else that. Uh, uh, for whatever reason, I mean that's uh, that's not uh, that's just not the way it goes. You know, whenever we teach self-defense shooting classes, and you know, I really hammer that point home. I say, look, uh, whenever you whenever you are uh, forced into a situation where you're going to have to, uh, where you have to use. Uh, your individual firearm to defend yourself, to defend your life. Uh, it comes with some uh, some limits on it. One of the limits is is that you cannot use it to defend yourself if that means injuring or killing another innocent. That means I can't, even if somebody's shooting at me, I can't just start blasting away at them if if some of my rounds are going to miss them and hit somebody else. And, uh, you know, we try and hammer this home, too, with the, in a lot of the shooting situations that we put on students. We've got uh, several sets of targets, uh, things like uh, a shooter that's in a crowded, uh, uh, a, cr- a crowded hallway that's crowded with students. Any bullet that misses your target is going to hit another student. So... <clears throat> Yes, a an officer has a right to go home safely, but but then so does every so do everybody else. I mean, uh, the uh, the uh, the lumberjack has a right to go home safely, but if that means that he's got to chop down a tree that's going to fall on somebody that's innocent, uh, I don't know. I mean, is that really is that really uh, something that we want, uh, and I think that a lot of these cases are not—they're uh, not cases of the uh, uh, of law enforcement being forced to choose between going home safely and and not. I think it's cases of uh, of at least in part of some of the law enforcement being too ready and too willing to shoot. Uh, I mean, uh, well, I was looking at some statistics this uh, last week between two different towns in California, and they were very close together, and uh, and they had, like, the same amount of uh, crime, but in one of the cities, the uh, the fatal shoot fatal shootings by police of civilian, uh, and I don't want to keep saying civilians because police are civilians too. 
police are not military. No matter how paramilitary they get, they are not military. They're civilians, just like you and I. And uh, the the number of shootings by the police was uh, uh, was like a thousand percent less in the one town that was right next to the next high crime town. And it wasn't uh, it wasn't because the the uh, uh, there was less crime. It was because they they were using different ways uh, to handle the crime, different ways to handle their their interactions with the public. So things that. I think that a great deal of the problem we have uh, today stems from the disdain by law enforcement for the uh, for the public, and it's only getting worse now as the public is starting to push back against it. Because the more the more that the public pushes back against this uh, uh, this treatment, then uh, uh, then the more uh, the more of the us versus them attitude is going to become uh, uh, is going to become more pronounced and more prevalent. But if that's what it takes, I guess that's what it takes because I think that we have to take a long, hard look at the way uh, at the way that law enforcement uh, interacts with the American public. We've got Warren up here on line one from up in New York, and I think he uh, has a couple of things he'd like to say on this. Okay, can you uh, can you flip the switch and bring I'll him on? I'll go ahead and put him on. I'm here, Scout. Hey, Scout, I'm here. How you doing? Hey, doing okay. How are you doing, Warren? I'm doing great for being in New York, but I'm thankful I got to go to New Mexico and get a whole new paradigm of what being free really means. Totally, well, totally different attitude. The way that uh, the way the government uh, looks at its relationship with the citizens in New York, and the way it looks at them in New Mexico. And sure, in New Mexico, Sam is, is from New Mexico, and he'll be the I'm sure the first one to tell you that it's. By no means is it a uh, a a model of perfection or a paradise, but uh, <laughs> it's different than uh, the way that New York looks at its relationship with its citizens. Yeah, um, yeah, like in New Mexico, um, I've been up to the Roundhouse a couple of times when Second Amendment uh, issues were up there, and and for a few other things. And um, yeah, it's like people show up. It's like okay, you know. Uh, the legislators want to talk about this. They hold hearings and, and see how things are going to go and everything else. And in New York, they pass these things in the middle of the night with a select group of uh, uh, people to consider things and then pass it and literally in the middle of the night um, without without regard for things. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I feel sorry for the people in New York, but I'm seeing um, – I'm doing what I can to, to foment uh, – Disgruntlement with the uh, with the locals uh, as uh, as I bring them out to New Mexico and kind of like say yeah we can do all this out here and uh, 
you know, you need to go back home and, and consider uh, applying political pressure because that's and, – and the problem with the police is, and, and, and as, as you were discussing before, um, it's a political problem. The, the police get their attitude and uh, equipment and, and direction uh, from the politicians. So if they're looking at it as a them and us kind of a thing, um, of course, that's going to trickle down to policy because police policy is dictated not by the police, but by the politicians in charge of the police. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the problem with that is that the politicians and uh, and police, to a certain degree, uh, are, have all been subscribing to the uh, to the idea that that they are not uh, in the same category, the same class as the citizens. You know, if you look at the look at the, all of the laws that. Uh, our representatives have, have exempted themselves from, uh, they, they are no longer living uh, under the same laws that the citizens are. Uh, and in much of the same way, uh, the police have ended up that way. Now, I'm not saying that that a lot of the things that were done to protect police were done maliciously. I'm just saying that it is now, uh, it makes it very easy uh, for Law enforcement, and and let me make sure that I'm making this clear too that we're, that I'm I'm not trying to paint all of law enforcement with a with an ugly brush, because that's not the case. You know, my my business partner is uh, in law enforcement, and he's uh, one of the most squared away uh, officers that I know. But uh, but there are certainly a lot of uh, a lot of folks in law enforcement that that have used the power that they have been given by the citizens, uh, that they've used it in a way it was never meant to be used. And I think that uh, that knowing that you can uh, that you can shoot somebody and get away with it is uh, and not be held to the same uh, standards of uh, justice as as the uh, citizens are, uh, creates uh, create situations where it can be abused and it is abused. So, uh, I'm, I'm not going to argue with, with that at all, Scout. You know, that's that's um, we have a a small percentage of officers, and I don't think that officer in Ferguson had um, had that that evil intent, and I don't think most officers um, have evil intent. However, the um, as, as I as I will say, is, is if there's no accountability, of course these things need to be looked at. Um, there has to be a, an honest review board, an honest uh, uh, analysis of every incident that that results in fatality that way. And yes, there has has to be consequences, but. Um, you know, and and part of that, like like I was saying, is is the fault of politicians because they create the atmosphere that you know the the word comes down from high. This is what will happen. Um, and and yes, um, you know, under the previous mayor in New York City, there's always a fine balance between rights and safety. You know when. 
you know, his uh, the police force in New York City was like, uh, you know, just, you know, could do frisks uh, of suspicious characters. Now, that is violating people's rights. However, it did result in um, some bad feelings among the community because, you know, they may have been profiling, but most of what they were profiling were people that were generally going to, um, you know, fit the profile of your typical average person that's committing crimes. Um, they they could have been a little more balanced and gone to Wall Street and say, hey, look, we got to you know, frisk X amount of uh, white guys in suits just to make things even, and I think that would have been really funny. But um, you won't see that happen. <laughs> so, um, you know, but the end result, though, is, is the politicians create the atmosphere um, that and the rules of engagement that they work under. So if, if they want them to have this uh, uh, attitude of, okay, you're not really going to be responsible, are they preparing them to have that attitude for a future reason is, an, is another good question, I think. Well, yeah, Ed Heller is up here on, on the chat right now, and good. he brought up the point is that uh, – Police investigate themselves, and that is quite true. Uh, and they hold themselves to the standards of the police. Well, and, you know, in fact, they need to be held to the standards of the citizens. As a guy in a, you know, you throw a guy in a combat zone and say, "This is the rules of engagement. Follow them." And if he doesn't follow them, you know, there are repercussions, and it's the same thing with the police. Like I said, you need a uh, you know, like a review board that is actually going to do reviews. You know, well, a review board that that is not made up of policemen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um lawyers uh would probably be, you know, good for arguing the points between things here, um, you know, responsible people from communities. Um, you know, I don't necessarily like Al Sharpton, but I do like the fact that we can hear him ask ugly questions. <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, those are the kinds of things where, uh, you know, where we need what we have. You know, but, you know, yeah, the pendulum needs to swing back a little bit. It does. Uh, Not to the know, detriment of the police, but to the benefit of everybody. You know, a lot of it has to do with uh, uh, the attitude we've taken on this whole drug business. We, we've well, allowed that especially to encroach on people's uh, as people's an excuse, yes, drastically, yes. And I think it's—I'm not going to get into whether the drugs are right or wrong. Uh, I think I'm it's a libertarian a in that. I'm a libertarian for, in that mode, but you know. Sign the sign the release forms. Get for your drugs. Police power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a libertarian when it comes down to that, Sam. It's like, okay, you know, like get your drugs, sign the uh, papers uh, that get you out of the health system because we're gonna we're not gonna revive you. <laughs> we're not gonna pay for all your all your yeah. ODs here for over the next year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's it's the whole personal responsibility thing. Yeah. Yeah. We need to go back to it in a lot of cases. If people would get out and talk, 
like Al Sharpton does. Yeah. I, I don't care for a lot of what he says, but he's an American citizen. And entitled He's got to a it. right to say it. Yeah. And I have to respect his right to say it, whether I like him or not. Exactly. Maybe especially if I don't like him. Because well, I might be the guy that wants to talk, and somebody right. doesn't like me next year. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, thanks for uh, a year of uh, political activity there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I like that you guys, you know, kind of like caught the local Republicans, you know, trying to just completely disregard uh, uh, the local party down there and, uh, and and try to sideline things and not include them in caucuses. I thought that was uh, that was a good catch. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's all about people on the local level getting involved in that stuff. With every bit of political life, yeah, because yeah. politics isn't isn't really just Republicans and Democrats out there. No, what and they they don't want is, another they don't want another hog at the trough. They're afraid they might yeah. starve. <laughs> yeah, politics is the relationship that people have with those in authority over them. Yeah, that's what politics is, and it doesn't have to be a dirty word. No. Uh, but we've made it a dirty word, and we shouldn't. We need to become involved and active and and all play our part in that political process. I see Scott got bumped off the air here, but he'll get himself back on a minute. All right. But uh, I Well, I'm hearing him at my end of things. I just opened the door. Uh, you know, I didn't want any feedback or something through the phone when I was talking. So. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, part of – Part of your question to me at one point in time was, you know, what kind of government do we have? I said democracy. You said no, democratic republic. Light went on, <laughs> and uh, and that that started me uh, poking at things, Sam. Uh, I just had the benefit of being educated by people that that that, that were purists, I guess you'd say. I hated it at the time. But I I later came to appreciate it. Uh, if we let our opponents define the language that we that we use, uh, that that's yeah. a losing proposition right there. Uh, yeah. Well, it's uh, it goes back to 1984. You know, the Ministry of Truth. You know. <laughs> yeah. If, if people will get involved in, in these. Uh, police issues, if they'll stick their nose into the argument and refuse to be uh, bamboozled. Bought, yeah. yeah. Bought, I call it bought off. Yeah. Uh, if they'll stick their nose in it and stay in it, and that doesn't mean necessarily getting out there in the middle of the street and blocking traffic and burning down people's stores and stuff. Nope. My freedom ends Peace. where the next guy's begins. You know, be such a pain in the butt to that to that city councilman or that chief of police or that governor or that mayor that every time he sees your face, he's headed to Walgreens for a tube of Preparation H. <laughs> and pretty quick he'll get the idea that you're not going to give up, and he better start listening. Well, uh, that's what I'm trying to impart to uh, 
There are probably about six young men here in New York, so we've started discussions on that. And you know, they've uh, my two sons have have become more uh, more committed conservatives, I would say, than anything else. But they're uh, you know, and their friends, you know, have also uh, benefited from that. So I think that the uh, you know, I threw a good-sized pebble in the water. I'm watching the ripples go out now, so we'll see how far it goes. If you only ever educate one person in your whole life, you've succeeded. If well, you only open one mind, if you only get one question asked, you've succeeded. might be a mighty small victory, but... Every time you change someone's mind, every time you get them to ask a question, every time you get them to stop and say, wait a minute, you're winning. Yeah, I'm having that discussion with a uh, a teacher from Columbia University. So, you know, that's that's another one of my local engagements. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tall one to go after because they, they have this indoctrination of... Uh, to a position of authority. Yeah. yeah. And uh, academia is an interesting uh, an interesting world and, and an isolated one at that. Very much so. <laughs> but, as long as uh, money's coming in, they don't care. <laughs> well, that's true. Have you have you found anything that uh that you'd like to take back to uh New York? From uh, New Mexico, anything that, uh, anything, any of the ways that they're doing things there, that uh, you think might be applicable or might be uh, something that uh, that could be pushed through in New York. Oh, absolutely. Um, um, you know, to to tell these guys now they're they're PO'd. They've they realize they've lost some of their Second Amendment rights, which were really the tripwire, and and now it's. Um, you know, okay, guys, you're mad now. Go go to some uh, political meetings and and ask the questions uh, that need to be asked. Um, if you think, you know, I I have a uh, a young black man's a nephew of mine, and you know, we've had discussions, um, and he's turned a little more philosophical now, and he's uh, found his way to work and. Uh, and do things right now that he has a, a young son of his own to raise, and he, he his own father uh, spent most of his adult life in jail. So uh, I've had some influence with him, and and we we discuss things like Ferguson. We discuss these things, and to bring that you know that to him, I said you know come out to New Mexico when you guys can, and. Um, and and see what a little more freedom is like. See see what it is, um, and get an idea of what you want to you know what you think you could make life here like if if you actually could. And uh, that's it. Well, that sounds good. Uh... It's it's um, you know like a throw a rock in the water and see how big a ripple you can make. Okay. Well, uh, I know that uh, a lot of folks from uh, uh, from New York who have been in New York uh, are uh, are relocating 
I mean, I, I know of at least a dozen who have already left the state because uh, uh, because of the. Uh, it's not just the gun laws. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole uh, there's a whole long list of things that they were dissatisfied with the uh, with the state for. A long list of grievances. <laughs> relocated out of it. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. <laughs> yes, yeah, along with the grievances that they have with the state, and and, and in some ways I agree with them, but in 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 some ways too, I tell them I said, look, if you're if you're done with New York, I can understand that. If you wanna if you wanna leave and you wanna go somewhere else, I understand that. I said, but but the thing is about leaving is if you leave, you can't do anything about it. You know, once you yeah. once you leave, once you're no longer a voting registered voting citizen there, then then you're done as far as affecting any real change. So I said, those are the things that you have to consider. I mean, are you, if you're ready to go, if you're ready to leave the state, call somewhere else home, that's one thing. Well, but for me, it was it was mainly a weather uh, thing. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot easier for my life in uh, in New Mexico. You know, half the arthritis, twice the sunshine. So. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> that helps a good right, bit, rather than living on a boat. Right. That's uh, that's that's the whole thing. Is you know, it's like I said, if you're if you're leaving to go somewhere else, you know, for some other reason, then then that's great uh, because you can you can get some of your uh, you can get some of your individual uh, rights back. You can uh, be released from some of the uh, uh, from some of the heavy taxing and stuff like that. I said, but you're not going to change it from out of state. No, so, no. Um, while I while I lived here, I I did go to a lot of you know politicians will have meet and greets in people's houses uh, and things of that nature that I would attend and um, you know so I wasn't totally like non-active but um, you know I I was mildly engaged in the political process you know and and as I was learning my ways through it here it was like okay you know like I I, I could see you know somewhat the oiliness of it but. That's just typical of the way human beings do business. Um, so I wasn't really that concerned about it or that watchful. But seeing things, um, at least in New Mexico, heck, I mean, like you can walk into the roundhouse and and uh, even request an audience with the governor. There's times that she does that. And, you know, and that's been a traditional there. Um, so that kind of a thing where you have, like, you know, personal access to the government, I think, makes things a little bit better. Right. And then we're seeing, uh, we're seeing, like, kind of a, uh, kind of a different take on it uh, from the folks in uh, Connecticut, because uh, they have been told, uh, we were talking about many, many uh, hundreds of thousands of people who have been told that they uh, these and these are all formerly uh, law-abiding citizens uh, that they are now going to become guilty of uh, of uh, high crimes and misdemeanors because of the government's decision uh, to change aspects of the Second Amendment. And, oh yeah. Uh, and this is getting ready to uh, this is getting ready to, to play out, and a lot of people are watching it because. If uh, if they can push it through in that state and they can force it down everybody's throats, then maybe other states are going to uh, uh, to maybe make the same movement. Now, I'm not saying all of them by any means, but maybe other states will uh, use this this same uh, type of 
of push or power to do it. And uh, and if it doesn't work, then maybe that uh, some of the others will refrain from it. So, uh, like I said, this is going to be a uh, this is going to be uh, it's a case. A lot of people watching a section it. of test cases as they as they try to push here and push there and see where they can or can't get get away with this. And um, and I, I I don't see why they think they need as much power as they do to uh, to control the people. And you know, it's like government doesn't have to be that big to handle everything that goes on. Come on. Well, it's just that's the that is the nature of the beast. They're going to they're going to expand, and they they certainly done a great deal of expansion. They're going to expand, and they're going to uh, they're going to to in some way uh, try and control every single aspect of your life from birth to death, every single aspect of it, because that's that's the nature of the beast is to control, and uh, and. And freedom is a, an anathema to the, to the to the beast of government, and we'll just have to we have to continue uh, fighting back in on every single uh, inch of, uh, of front that uh, that we have, and uh, and that's the point that it's gotten to. I mean, oh, uh, I was just absolutely. looking at I was, I was looking we, at. Uh, a post on uh, Facebook earlier, and uh, it was from one of the satire sites, uh, Empire News, and uh, they were talking about uh, uh, Facebook is uh, is going to work closely with Homeland Security and uh, and submit the names of every person on Facebook. Uh, that has a firearm that's posing with a firearm or has a firearm in the picture, they're going to su- submit the names of every single person to Homeland Security. And uh, and before I looked to see who wrote this, I actually thought uh, that it was real. You know? I thought it was uh-huh. a real story because that's the point that we're at in this in the nation today. We're at that We're at that point. Now, like I said, the Empire News is a satirical site, so you can go to the. You can go to Empire, uh, Empire News, and uh, and read this. But the thing is, is that it's so close to to being where we are that it's almost acceptable. You know, it's almost not satire. You know, it's almost uh, uh, reality. So, uh, so that that is the time that we're we're living in. I was speaking to another friend of mine today. Uh, and I hadn't seen him in a while, and we were talking about uh, we were talking about the uh, the Germans in World War Two, and yeah. about how uh, about how you know people were saying, why didn't they do something? Why didn't they stop it? And the and the truth is that they they actually did. I mean, they actually they actually tried, and they had. Uh, Groups of you know even very large groups that were dedicated to stopping the takeover of the government if it happened in a certain fashion, which it didn't, and they didn't have a like a plan B or C or anything like that. They only had plan A, which was to defend the nation in the event of a coup. And we're talking about how uh, we're talking about 
we're talking about the uh, about how uh, the uh, the folks. Uh, well, he was saying that uh, he said it was very interesting times we're living in because uh, because the fact that we're going through the same type situation that you could actually see that we're living through it now. How you can actually see how people can go from uh, a free society into a uh, into a dictatorship uh, because we're living in those times now. We're living in those very, times where very e- very easily. And and you know the one of the parallels that bothers me is you know we don't have a or not that I know of a central uh, uh, guy like Goebbels to uh you know dictate the uh the propaganda but when you see media not doing due diligence and just parroting um you know things out of uh uh out of the edicts of the uh, the big office it 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 that worries me you know when we don't have the uh uh the woodwards and bernsteins looking at things when we don't have uh uh, you know, like the, you know, the press was our last independent oversight. We don't have guys like Cronkite uh, who will who will dig into things as uh, as they sometimes do. Um, no, I mean, we, we have, don't we have, have that almost many. the exact opposite of that, and that is where we have the we have a situation where we have the media that is complicit in the government's crimes. They're yes. they're more than willing to to cover them up and. Uh, and to sugarcoat them and feed them to the public as necessary evils. Uh, the media, to me, is is uh, is the exact opposite of of what they're supposed to be. Uh, and they they are doing no no justice, no service to anyone, let alone themselves, uh, in this fashion. So uh, I think that they think that they are helping, but you know, down at the end of the road. It's going to be a situation where uh, where the journalists are, are going to have no more freedom than anybody else. So I I don't think that they're they're following this through. Uh, well, we know, see it, how you know the, the protection for whistleblowers is being stripped away. We see uh, we see that you know um, uh, you know Snowden gave away a lot of secrets, but in 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 essence, you know, in in many ways, no, he didn't. Um, you know, he was nowhere near the traitor, I would say, like uh, that guy Walker was that worked for the Navy. Uh, you know, we've we've seen you know we've seen real traitors, and I don't think Snowden really fits that um, that mold. Well, I think it's I think it's your your mindset too, because you know a, a traitor is doing something uh, in order to hurt the nation, and yes. uh, I don't think Snowden had any intention of hurting the nation as far as hurting it. Uh, uh, in a in a in, like in a punitive way, I think he was, I think he was trying to say, look, here's guys, here's what's going on, and here's proof of it. Now, it, it may be, uh, it may have, it may. I don't think he thought operationally to, how many people that may hurt. Um, you know, insofar as well, I, communicates. Sure yeah, but here's the thing: is that you know, in the same way that. Uh, and the same with the, the, the government, where a general says, "Look, we're going to uh, we're going to uh, do this mission, and we're going to do this." And I know 
that uh, this mission is going to it's going to cause the death of uh, you know of five thousand of our citizens, but it has to be done. Yeah, it's uh, I think that's game. the way he was looking at it too. I think he's saying, look, yeah, this is going to this is going to hurt some people, and 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 then weigh that and say, but it, what is the what is the good that it's going to do? Uh, is there greater people, is there greater good no and truth? Right. You know, it's a major philosophical question. Is there greater good and truth? Um and and sometimes taking things out of the shadows um can be painful and um it's it's not always a thing um that the nation's comfortable with, you know, and um you know, how many people were laid a blind eye to, you know, the the civil rights movement of the 60s, you know, it it was you know, we weren't. It didn't want to know, right? You know, for the most part, people in the north. Well, that's that's down south. They're backwards. We don't we don't care about that. Was you know the attitude? That's how they live. And without thinking that you know they means all of us really, right? You know, so the way right. we would treat the least of us is how we should treat everybody, and we should be nice to everybody, right? Okay, well, listen, guys. I think that's uh, I think that's going to do it for the show tonight. Uh, next Thursday, we'll have an AAR on the uh, the grid down communications class. I'm sure you guys like to hear about uh, what we learned during that. We'll share the information with you, and uh, and I'm still trying to uh, to line up uh, the rest of the guests for the year. Uh, once I do that, I'll. I'll go ahead and post uh, the shows and the and our guest list and stuff like that. Uh, I hope that everyone had a uh, a great Thanksgiving, and uh, I hope you were able to share it with your family in some type of a wonderfully uh, dysfunctional fashion, and uh, <laughs> and that there wasn't a whole lot of brokenness, uh, you know, China or any blood loss, and. Uh, and God bless and keep uh, everyone. Think about the things that you are thankful for, and uh, think about the bigger picture, the things that that really matter, and try and work on those, and try and let the things that uh, don't really matter lean off your back. All right, uh, Warren, thanks for calling in. Listen, don't uh, don't be a stranger. I appreciate speaking with you. We'll be glad to uh, uh, have a good evening, Scout. And uh, until we meet again. All right. Take care, brother. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, Sam, thank you. And uh, and uh, we'll see you uh, this next Thursday. Anything, any last uh, words you'd like to, uh, to give out? Just remember about that hope. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on to it. That hope. All right. All right, uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, and certainly, if there's anybody that you would like to hear, any guests you'd like to hear, any topics that you would like uh, covered, be sure and shoot me a, uh, an email. You can reach me at rwvarangescout at uh, gmail.com, or you can send me a message through a blog talk, and I'll be glad to see if we can uh, accommodate you. And uh, that's going to do it for tonight, and we'll see you uh, this next Thursday, 7 p.m.
Dragging who we need And call this liberty 